People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. What a crazy fucking episode we got ourselves here. The Chris and Caitlin of it all is one of the most wild things that I've ever seen play out on television. I mean, we have entered into the territory where they full-blown hate each other. There's no beating around the bush anymore. They're basically having dueling affairs. Well, what I feel like is so interesting is that we as the viewer, especially doing these recaps, are watching this from the perspective of like, are you guys seeing this too? Like we are watching a couple that just simply cannot stand each other. And I feel like what we've seen up until this point in terms of like the way that they interact with each other and how honestly like not nice to each other they are is that everything that they feel and every way that they're acting, they just brush it off as being like, well, you know, this is what happens after 21 years of marriage instead of acknowledging that something truly was just not right there. And this was the first episode where Chris is like, oh yeah, this probably isn't going to work out. Well, that's the thing. It's like to say that they went from zero to a hundred is just factually inaccurate. That's not the case. Clearly this has been building, but it did kind of go from zero to a hundred in terms of the openness with which they were acknowledging just how bad it's gotten. Right. I mean, it was undeniable. And especially because we're, we're dealing with mainly episode 11 here, but we do get into episode 10 a little bit. And episode 10 is mostly Scott becoming a Lord, which is probably the most iconic episode of Kardashians. But the side plot in that episode is that Chris is talking about how there's the side of Caitlyn that the kids don't see and no one else sees. And everybody thinks Caitlyn is so easygoing and chill, but she knows that Caitlyn has the side of her that is very dark, very intense, very short-tempered. And Chris is growing increasingly frustrated with the fact that everybody thinks that she is the bad guy. And she has now gone from like, you know, being okay with the way that her kids view their dad and their stepdad to kind of wanting to get everybody on board with seeing what she's seeing. And that is a very conscious shift in terms of the way that your marriage is going to go from that point. Once you've, once you've made the decision that you kind of want the kids to see your side, like you've already divided it and had a side. Oh my God. And then the way that that continued to just intensify was something we saw for years and years to come. And not to say this episode was the firm starting point, but it was certainly something we can point to. Oh, absolutely. 
So like Julie said, we're really going to focus on episode 11 here. We're kind of going to breeze through episode 10, but just a couple of things to mention there. In addition to the Caitlin and Chris, which we'll discuss in a second. First of all, Kim is in London for an appearance. Scott and Rob are also in London for their own work engagement, which like Julie said, is when Scott gets his lore title. But in terms of Kim, Kanye happens to be in London as well. And, you know, we see her come back to the hotel room and Kanye had sent racks and racks of clothes and she's going through it and it's a Prada dress and bomb on this. And you see Kim, at least what I would describe as living out her fantasy. I was thinking about this moment where Kim walks into the hotel room and all of the racks of clothes are there so much because I feel like when Kim looks back at her relationship with Kanye, it was like, no matter what happened in the beginning, it was so real. And he made me feel like such a princess and made me feel like I was finally being treated in the way I deserved. And then you kind of flash forward to him doing the same thing for Julia Fox after dating for a couple of days. And I just, I felt so sad for Kim in that moment because it felt like it went from Kanye did this for me in the beginning of our relationship, no matter what happened between us and no matter what happened with Kanye himself, that thing was so special to like, oh, this is just his move. Right, and let's take it a step further. It's not as though this is just his move. This is his move that comes from a deeply controlling place because he wants to have full say over the looks of whatever woman he's with at the time. And, you know, in isolation, I think there was a time when this was viewed to be a really desirable act. And I think that there are circumstances in which it can be. You know, I don't think any time a guy does this, it's necessarily a red flag. It's just as we've learned more and more about Kanye, specifically when it comes to this aspect of his personality, it comes from a deeply controlling place that is like entirely antithetical to the romantic fantasy that it was painted out for us. And that, by the way, I can speak for myself, initially bought into in the early days and Kim certainly bought into. And for years, I think she was into it. I think it's only in the aftermath where she's been able to fully realize the extent to which he needed to have that control. Totally. And I honestly would go as far as to say that like, I don't even know if Kim has fully allowed herself to grasp that because kind of like I said, in terms of this act, it, it does redefine their relationship. And there's a part of me that's still willing to say, like, I understand that Kanye doing this even then was still an act of control because that is who he is as a person. However, watching this and watching how excited Kim was and watching the two of them interact at this time, I do have to believe that there is still a difference between the Kanye we were watching then and the Kanye we know now in terms of what his intentions were. It, I just, even if the control aspect of it was still there, which I am sure it was, I just have to believe for Kim's sake that that's not all it was. There really, I really do think that the part of Kanye and who he was and who I believed him to be at the time was doing that for a romantic act for Kim to make her feel really special while also having deep, deep control issues and needing to control the woman in his life. That was just, I think, a little bit more on the back burner, whereas like now that is the main part of Kanye. 
Well, I mean, listen, you're also dealing with a completely different time in that Kim had never had that experience before. And so, yes, I, I believe to the deepest part of my core that there was always a controlling part of Kanye. However, I also feel that he knew an act like this would be really extravagant and luxurious and fun and make her feel really special. And like, I don't, I don't believe that the two necessarily cancel each other out. Right. It's honestly what it is, is it's a question of the way that his motivation and what drives him first and foremost has kind of switched over time, potentially. No, I know. And to be honest with you, it's not something I'm looking to deep dive. I actually don't want to devote any of my time to thinking about this man. But when you watch a scene like this and you understand specifically where Kim was at in this time, you see why she got so sucked in in the way that she did. And and I think the, the term sucked in has a really negative connotation because there were years when it was a really like good thing that she was genuinely really happy. But I guess I mean why she was so taken by this, not just because of these types of, you know, acts that she deemed really desirable. It was also because Kim had expressed so much frustration with feeling as though the men she had been with hadn't matched her level of like the type of romance that she wants. And finally, here was this guy that was doing the thing that I think in her mind was like storybook. Right. And then to take it a step further, not just compared to the men in her life, compared to literally coming off of this relationship with Chris Humphreys, somebody who told her that, of course, they were going to move back to Minnesota. And by the time they did, no one was going to know who she was. I mean, the switch from going from that to being in London, launching your fragrance in the UK, and then your boyfriend at the time is the biggest rapper in the world who happens to be on tour in London and does this huge romantic gesture for you. Like, it's not just this as it exists on its own. It is like, and I still think that would have been enough for her at the time, by the way. Like, I still think that she would have been so taken with Kanye and and what he was doing for her. But I mean, to specifically have that coming off of Chris Humphreys, oh my God. It's a completely different world. And I think she finally felt like, okay, here's a guy that's not only matching my energy, he's he's in a whole other category. Yeah. So much here. I mean, honestly, Chris and Kaylin steals the show. Like, if I'm being honest, that's the thing to talk about. But even with the minimal Kanye scenes, there's still a lot there. Oh, there's so much. I mean, by the way, like the biggest takeaway from this episode was not Kim and Kanye, was not Chris and Caitlin. It was 100% Lord Disick being born. Yeah, this was the birth of Let the Lord Be With You. You realize that? I mean, I just feel like this episode was history making. I mean, I texted you in the middle of it and I was like, I fucking love Scott. Sue me. I mean, by that logic, we'd be sued a million times over. Yeah, he he. there's no one like him. There's no one in the family like him. He is one of the most entertaining people that we have truly ever come across. And what I forgot about this episode that was so funny was it wasn't just like he was like, oh, I'm in London. Like, I want to become a lord. I kind of forgot the series of events here. It was like they got to London. It was the Queen's Jubilee. They couldn't stay at the Dorchester because of it. And Scott was like, you know what? That's not a bad life to live. Like the Kardashians are onto something, but like the Queen is really onto something. And he just developed this like, absolute fascination. And in the most Scott way possible, he couldn't just like something. Like he had to literally become a Lord. Well, the thing about Scott is he loves roles of power in that way. It's obviously something that he's 
drawn a lot of inspiration from in his life. And in this phase of his life, he really wanted to put that into action in this type of a way. But in general, he has always been very enticed by the idea of, of power and money and, and you know, not even fame as much as like prestige. Oh, absolutely. And Kim says that in this episode. She's like, I think that you're taking this a bit far, but I also think that you are doing this because you want a certain amount of respect that you don't feel like you're getting and you think that taking on this title will give it to you. But like, you need to act in a way where people want to respect you rather than acting in a way where you're demanding respect that you haven't earned. And it was an incredibly lighthearted episode. Like it, it wasn't that deep what Scott was doing here, obviously, but Kim really was spot on in terms of her analysis of something that was just supposed to be like fun and funny. Right. And also we have the fact that both Scott and Rob are actively wrapping their heads around the fact that their sister is dating Kanye West, which like at the time to them was a really big deal. I understand the Kardashians were the Kardashians. Chloe was with Lamar. I, I get it. But even there's a scene, I think in the next episode when Rob's on the phone with Lamar and, and he's like, you know, just chilling with Ye. Like they were playing it really cool, but that was a really big deal for them. I mean, think about it though. Like when Chloe started dating Lamar, Rob lost his mind. Like to him, that was the coolest thing. And it was, Lamar was a very big deal at the time. He was a Laker. That was incredibly cool for Rob as a huge Lakers fan and somebody born and raised in LA. I can't even imagine what it was like for Rob when it was then Kanye. Well, right. He's like, wait, my sisters are really onto something here. Yeah. I mean, they were onto something until they weren't. No, I know, obviously. But I'm just speaking from the very superficial perspective of like, oh, we're about to be real famous. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's such a hard balance to talk about Kanye in this way because it's like, it, it makes me so angry to like even think about him in a way where I'm like looking at him at all fondly now. But it's like at the time, I, I don't know. It's such a strange thing. I, I actually like, have an easier time separating it in my mind and when I'm talking about it than I thought I would because as angry as it makes me, it's like, I have to believe that like that version of him was different than what we are dealing with now. I know, and that's okay. I mean, listen, we're watching these episodes. It's gonna come up a lot. We're going to have to, on some level, have some sort of a separation in order to like talk about a moment in time as it was then. But for me, at least, it's very difficult. I'll be honest with you because I am noticing myself unable to react as though I thought maybe I would have at the time, because of course my lens is just so different. Like I'm, I'm eternally affected by the events of recent history. Yeah, of course. The other thing to note here in terms of episode 10, before we get into episode 11, because this does kind of prime us for what's to come with Chris and Caitlin. Cause like I said to you, shit hits the fan in a serious way. But like Julie said, not only was this the first time that Chris was really letting it rip in terms of talking about Caitlin, but also more importantly, really not holding back in front of the kids and specifically actually wanting, you know, Chloe to see this side of Caitlin that she deemed to be so unbearable. And so when they go on this work trip together, the three of them in Boston and Caitlin is objectively being pretty insufferable. Like while Chris is annoyed, she's simultaneously thrilled that Chloe is now getting to see this because I think Chris feels really gaslit by the kids that they're not seeing the side of Caitlin that she feels she has to deal with constantly. And, you know, if anything, when the kids do acknowledge it, they chalk it up to it being reactionary on Caitlin's part because of course she's going to act like this when when Chris is you know being the way that she is and so you know when they go on this trip and 
Chloe's pretty much getting a front row seat, there's a part of Chris that is thrilled of that. The thing with the dynamic between Chris and Caitlin is that Chris was by no means nice to Caitlin. Like Chris's level of patience for Caitlin as every single season goes on gets thinner and thinner and thinner. And as their relationship got a little bit more volatile and got a little bit worse, Chris's patience for what she was dealing with with Caitlin did too. And what that resulted in was Chris sometimes being very fairly annoyed with Caitlin and Chris a lot of the times picking up on things that Caitlin did or blaming Caitlin for things that had nothing to do with Caitlin. And the kids were now picking up on that. And the kids were getting very defensive of Caitlin because they were seeing the way in which Chris was reacting to Caitlin. What I think Chris was feeling frustrated by was, okay, but you're not seeing why I'm like this. Like you're not seeing what she does that makes me act like this. And I don't think that Chris was under the impression that she was treating Caitlin in any sort of like kind way at this point. But I think that her frustration was like, okay, but like, I need you to understand why. And this started to be the thing where Chloe was like, okay, I kind of get it now. Yeah, I guess just to really simplify it, like if I were to give the most reductive summary of both of these episodes, it was that they were just so mean to each other. And I understand when you've been married for X amount of years, maybe some of that romance phase, maybe you know you bicker, this and that. I'm not claiming that it has to be roses all the time, but I completely reject the idea that after a certain point, that level of meanness is just acceptable. I don't. I I you know, was lucky enough to not experience that growing up. And I've really had like a visceral reaction to when I've seen that in relationships that I witnessed, whether it was friends, parents, or, you know, on TV. Like I, I, I don't think no matter who you are, that people should be spoken to like this. And they reached a point where mean was their default setting. And I think once you get into that territory, it gets really ugly. There's this thing that happens where, and I don't even necessarily mean in a marriage. I actually specifically mean like in friendships usually, or with people in your life that you kind of have these constant interactions with, where like, once you are so annoyed by them, it's like a visceral reaction to even being around them. And the more you're forced to be with that person, the worse it kind of gets. And it's like the cycle of just being annoyed over and over again. And I think that what we were seeing here was like that feeling of being so annoyed by somebody that you can't stand to be around them, except it was happening in their marriage. And so there was really no escape from that. And it was just a vicious cycle. Like, yes, the problem was certainly that they were mean to each other. They didn't speak kindly to each other. But the real issue there was they were just simply annoyed by each other's presence. Right, which is like the worst spot to be in on both ends. On one hand, to be constantly annoyed by someone is infuriating. And at the same time, feeling as though you are constantly annoying someone is a really shitty feeling. And they were both getting it constantly at all times. Like there was nowhere to go from there. We have to get into episode 11 because that is when things get like really taken to another level. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. 
Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Okay, so we are now on episode 11. And as Julie said, this is when the Chris and Caitlin situation reached an entirely new level because not only is it totally an open spoken about thing that they fucking hate each other, two other people have now entered the equation. One, former supermodel Angie Everhart, who also happens to be an avid golfer, which is like basically Caitlin's wet dream, and Todd Waterman. So like already you hear that sentence, even if you know nothing about this, you're like, oh shit, that's about to be good. My new life mission, by the way, I got to talk to Todd Waterman. We got to get him on this podcast. He was so happy to be filming with Chris on that rooftop. I have to say, if there is one person in this world that I do not trust, it is Todd Waterman. (laughs) I understand why Kaylin was so freaked out, no? You know what it is, though? It feels very Todd Waterman specific. Like, it was more than just the fact that Chris had an affair with somebody that she was maybe going to meet up with like after they had seen each other at tennis, it was more like a very specific hatred for Todd Waterman himself than like a jealousy of Chris seeing an ex and seeing even the specific ex in that specific circumstance. I still think that if it was somebody who wasn't specifically Todd Waterman, it would have been a little bit different of a reaction from Caitlin. Because I think Caitlin would have been a little bit more apathetic. Right. And by the way, we're talking a lot about this Todd Waterman for a guy who enters the episode in the last three minutes. Like, let's backtrack for a second because we're not doing this one scene by scene. We're kind of just going to talk about the major plots. But if we go to where this all started, it's that Caitlin, who, as we know, is an avid golfer, loves to be on the course, runs into fellow golfer, former supermodel Angie Everhart. And they've seen each other in passing here and there, but now they're really striking up a friendship. And Caitlin literally in her words exactly, is in pure heaven. I mean, she says in her confessional, I'm looking forward to playing golf with Angie. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. She's a good golfer. She knows the game. Plus, she's a lot better to look at than some of my other friends. And again, she says, golf with Angie. She's a great looking lady, good golfer, great conversationalist. I mean, come on, am I in heaven? First of all, first of all, first of all, pre-anything else, right? Pre-Chris ever knowing what's going on here. Let's say everything was totally 100% copacetic. If you're Chris and you see this confessional, you're like, wait a damn minute. I was thinking that. I was like, it's kind of a bold thing to say in a confessional. And it's like, you know, (laughs) I think that it's one thing. I I still don't think it would be 100% kosher to say that in a confessional and feel that way. But like, If Chris and Caitlin were in a place in their marriage where they were like rock fucking solid, had the best marriage, there was never even a question of any sort of infidelity or any sort of like issues between them, then I think that saying that in a confessional can be like a little bit harmless. It's like, okay, she is a supermodel. Like I can understand that. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that Caitlin was doing anything wrong. 
But at this current state of your marriage to get on television and sit in a confessional and be like, am I in heaven? It's like, what? Although counterpoint for a second, Chris is openly trying to fuck Lamar. Yeah, but you know what? If Chris fucked Lamar, the thing about it is that it would be worse as a mother than a partner. <laughs> Amazing intro to a sentence. <laughs> I just knew some shit was about to come out of your mouth when I hear you say, okay, if Chris did fuck Lamar. No, like, you know what I mean? Like, if Chris fucked Lamar, the bigger offense would be as a mom than as a, a wife. And it's like, okay, like, mom trumps wife. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, totally. I mean, to your point, it was very bold of Caitlin to be openly expressing her kind of obsession with Angie. And it's not like she was necessarily hiding it from Chris. That was the reason that she had to leave for her tea time or she couldn't pick up Chris's dry cleaning because she was on the golf course with Angie. But, you know, what ends up happening here is basically Chris isn't loving the sound of this. She thinks it's a little bit suspicious and she gets none other than the best spy in the game, Kim Kardashian herself on the case. And so they're in cahoots. They take the golf cart. They go to the golf course. They're spying on the two of them. But Chris did all that not knowing the way that Caitlin was talking about Angie. It's the kind of thing where you watch the confessional, you meaning Chris, and you're like, oh, taking a golf cart to the golf course was the least of of things I could have done here. Well, what's really funny is that Caitlin does this thing throughout the episode where it's like, well, I'm honest about it. I'm not lying. Therefore, I'm not doing anything wrong. Like she's blatantly like shoving this in Chris's face a little bit. And there's this moment where before Caitlin leaves for the golf course, she walks into Chris and she's like, I need an opinion. Like, what color shirt should I wear? And Chris is like, what the fuck? You have been golfing for 21 years of our marriage and you have never once cared about what you have looked like going to the golf course. And all of a sudden you're going to ask me for my opinion before you play golf with another woman. Like that is a crazy bold thing to do. To me, that's actually a more bold move than talking about being openly crushing on another woman in a confessional. Like to me, that was like, that crossed from like, okay, you're being a little flirty and inappropriate to like, okay, that's not just like rude to your wife. And what I think is really interesting is that this kind of plays off of what they were dealing with in the last episode with Caitlin, where Chris is saying like, you know, everybody thinks Caitlin is so innocent and is so chill and down to earth and like, you know, creates no problems because they only see that side of her. Whereas like I'm privy to another side. And I think Caitlin really plays that up to her advantage where it's like, well, everybody views me as this like very chill person that would never create an issue. So like when I want to go out and do something that's like maybe a little bit questionable, I'm going to rely on the fact that like everybody's viewing me through such an innocent lens. Wait, the asking Chris's opinion about the outfit was the most out of pocket shit. Could you imagine? No, I, I genuinely mean this. Like, no. That is nuts. It's the kind of thing that almost makes you ask yourself, is it better that Chris was about to go meet Todd Waterman a couple of episodes back? without even mentioning a word to Caitlin? Like, is that somehow less disrespectful? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, they're like in a disrespect off right now. It's just like they both have two different <laughs> brands of disrespect. Not a disrespect off. That's what's happening. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her, but I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, and it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like 
that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. Also, by the way, something to mention that I guess could at first glance be seen as a throwaway line. When Kim and Chris are on their way to spy on Caitlin and Angie, Chris says to Kim, do you have a night vision camera? And Kim says, no, that was Paris Hilton, which was obviously a shady reference to Paris's sex tape. And I get it. They were not on good terms at this moment. This was, you know, back in 2012. However, bold of Kim, who like also had a very traumatic experience with the sex tape being released. It felt like out of all the things you're going to like shame Paris for, how are you going to do something that also like traumatized you? No, that was like an incredibly out of pocket comment. I wonder if that was something that made headlines at the time. Like I could see that being a big thing on Twitter. The thing is, current day Kim would be horrified by that, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. And I don't just mean because her and Paris are on great terms now and it's all one under the bridge. Like they talked a lot of shit about one another. Paris, you know, very famously said that Kim's ass looked like cottage cheese in a garbage bag. Like they were certainly throwing shade back and forth. It's more that I feel Kim now is very conscious of making remarks like that publicly about other famous people. Like she really likes to play it kind of safe in that regard. And if she's going to unleash on you, it's going to be like, you as Tristan, who has so deeply wronged her sister. It's very rare that she'll comment negatively about other celebrities at at this phase of her career. And so I think she would be so horrified that she ever made a comment like that, specifically on the show. Definitely. And what was interesting about it too, like her taking a cheap shot like that, is that in past interviews, even from this time and before this time, Kim typically spoke very kindly about Paris, like spoke very kindly about their time together and the way that Paris was so instrumental in Kim becoming part of the industry. Like it was an interesting comment for her to make because yes, they weren't friends here, but like it also was not typical of Kim to talk about Paris in this way. 
I know. I know. And that's why it in theory is such a throwaway comment, but like, it's kind of not. Yeah. Anyway, the way that this episode progresses with the whole Chris and Caitlin situation is Chris and Kim spy on Caitlin and Angie. She sees Caitlin's arm around Angie. Nothing's happening, but she's not loving what she's seeing. And later that week, she's at a charity event and she's talking to Noelle and Jen, the women that she works with, you know, explaining her frustration about the Caitlin and Angie situation. And she says, you know, maybe it's time now that I have this long awaited talk that Todd wants to have. And Chris says in her confessional, I know I sounds a little crazy, but my old boyfriend has been reaching out for quite a while, wanting to meet up. And I've said no time and time again, but I do feel like there's some unfinished business. Maybe it's not such a bad idea. And Noelle tells her, you know, I don't think it's the best time for you to meet up with Todd. And Chris says, sometimes you just feel like in a marriage that you're just, you don't know whether to hang on anymore or not. Sometimes I think maybe there is another chapter for me. And Noelle says, without Caitlin? And Chris responds, yeah. Which like, again, you have to realize this is in 2012. About a year and a half later is when they were first going to separate. So it's not like we're now dealing with, you know, a dramatized plot that isn't actually coming to fruition. Like, we are less than two years away from the actual separation. Chris saying this like truly shocked me. And it's not because she was wrong. Like if you look at their marriage, it was clearly headed in that direction. And by the way, we are dealing with like May, June of 2012 here. By October, 2013, they will have separated. And so this is very clearly the beginning of the end of this relationship. But When Chris has spoken about the issues with her and Caitlin before, like we said earlier in the episode, it has always fallen under the guise of like, well, this is just what happens when you've been married for so long. Like, this is just typical behavior for two people who have been married for 21 years. Like, you're bound to get on each other's nerves. Like, this was the first time that Chris said on camera, this has an expiration date, basically. And by the way, you know, this Todd Waterman conversation isn't just being brought up because... I have curiosity. It's being brought up with vengeance. Because by the way, yeah, maybe he is right. Maybe there is some unfinished business. Let's hear what this motherfucker has to say. Like, it's a totally different tune. You know, the Chris before was really going back and forth. Should I do it? Should I not? I feel so guilty. I got in my car, but then I have to turn back as a Caitlin. Now she's full steam ahead. Like, you want to play ball? Let's fucking play all day. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood where every day is a new adventure. 
Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Please, can we get into the scene where Chris and Todd Waterman see each other at lunch? Yes, I've obviously been waiting my entire life to do so. So Chris is basically saying in her confessional, I know it sounds childish, but if Caitlin's going to go on the golf course and hang out with Angie all day, then I am certainly not going to feel guilty for wanting to meet up with Todd. So she goes to this rooftop, the waiter's pouring her a glass of wine, and she's like, you know, you can just pour the whole bottle in there. Todd walks in, and Chris says in her confessional, when I see Todd walk in, kind of the coolest feeling came over me. I don't feel nervous at all. By the way, that makes one of us. (laughs) I mean, cool was certainly a word choice. And they're talking about running into each other at tennis. And Chris is kind of teasing him saying that, you know, you had to have known I was going to be there. And it then flashes to Caitlin and Angie at golf. And Caitlin's saying to Angie that, you know, wow, you just get better every time we play, which like you have to understand as a viewer watching this in 2023, this was a nuts experience because I completely forgot that the editors were doing some like Real Housewives shit where they're giving us a live side-by-side of the two potential affairs that are taking place. The flashing back and forth between the two was so incredibly important to me. Like, what were you guys doing? Both of you. By the way, what were you guys doing? And then also you as the producers were really having a field day. I mean, can you blame them though? No, I obviously can't blame them. I'm thanking them. I mean, you have to understand. So we are going back and forth with the flashbacks. I'm losing it, by the way. Like I recognize that we're watching this 11 years later. We've seen it a million times before. I don't care. I am standing at the island of my kitchen, just losing my mind. And Chris says to Todd, 23 years, that's a really long time to not see somebody and then suddenly go back to that place. Like that's crazy. You just start thinking about all the stuff that you've been through with somebody or all the emotions that you felt. And I never knew how I was going to feel if I ever ran into you again. And Todd says, right, same here. And Chris says, I didn't feel like in control of my emotions and I had to learn how to breathe again. Todd says, you're in control right now. Again, brief moment of pause for the flash to Caitlin and Angie. They're hugging, saying goodbye, saying they're definitely going to do it again. We now go back to Chris and Todd on the rooftop and Chris asks Todd if he's dating anybody. And Todd says, no, he doesn't have a girlfriend. Chris asks why he never got married. And Todd leans over and whispers something into Chris's ear. And Chris says, how can you wait for somebody for 23 years? Meaning that he said to her, I've been waiting for you. And he says, I think timing's everything. And she agrees, I think timing is everything, yeah. And he goes, how much time do we have tonight? And she goes, "Um, as much time as you need. (laughs) I've never seen a motherfucker play with fire in such a way. No, like pyromaniac. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. She was... 
I am sorry. No disrespect to you, Chris Jenner. She was dying for the dick. Uh, no, I, like in 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 a way that I can't even believe they allowed to be on camera. I mean, but by the way, like this whole thing was so crazy because obviously what Caitlyn was doing was not right. Like Caitlyn was very openly flirting with another woman in front of Chris. And Caitlyn was really taking in the attention that she was getting. And like what was going on there was not 100% kosher. However, what was going on there is entirely incomparable to what Chris was doing here. Oh, yeah, 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 no, no, no. This was apples and oranges. We are not, if I'm Caitlyn, I'm looking at Chris like we are not the same. No, because it's like, listen, the thing that was happening here with Chris was, I actually think that Chris was at a point with Caitlyn where like she wanted to hurt her. You know what I mean? Like this went beyond just like, oh, this marriage isn't really what it used to be. And like, oh, you're kind of annoying to like, you have put me in a place where like, I actually like almost want to have this like act of revenge on you. And I feel like Chris continuously stopped herself from meeting with Todd and knew she was playing with fire a little bit by even like engaging in the idea or entertaining the idea, but like knew that she could not do that to Caitlin and could not get away with it. The second that Caitlin gave her like even a little bit of room to be like, oh, well, Caitlin did something wrong too. It was like, oh, I'm going to hit Caitlin so badly where it hurts and like the worst possible way with the worst possible person. Like, oh my God, like it was like a premeditated attack. Right, because no disrespect to Angie Everhart, but she's kind of just a placeholder here. It could have been Angie, it could have been Linda Evangelista, whatever, it doesn't matter. Any former supermodel that happens to like golf is fair game. This is Todd Waterman. This is the man that broke up Chris and Robert Kardashian. And the man that, you know, Caitlyn has despised for all of these years and quite literally just a couple of weeks ago in the Dominican Republic had a visceral reaction when his name was even mentioned. Like, you're right, it was, it was totally premeditated. Which goes to show you, by the way, the extent to which Chris was emotionally checked out of, of the relationship with Caitlyn. Because there was there was no longer like that guardrail of like, I know the thing I shouldn't do and I want to do it, but you know what? I, I can't because it's just, there's just some things you don't do. That baseline was gone. Like there was no barometer for normalcy. Well, there was also like an ounce of self-sabotage there, like where, and I don't even mean self-sabotage like in the way where Scott does it where it's like he wants to be a better version of himself and then he keeps getting in his own way. It was almost like Chris doing this thing where like, let's see how mad I can make Kaylin. Like, let's see how much I can I can blow things up. Like, let's see what I can do here and how much I can get away with. Almost like a test. Like when you're so checked out and you so don't care about like the repercussions of your actions that you're like, well, let's just fuck around and find out. Well, also because the matter Caitlin got the more Chris was able to have on display the side of Caitlyn that she wanted to prove to people existed. Like, I'm not saying that was the reason, but it's also probably a side benefit. This was fucking as messy as it gets. No, it was unbelievable television. And by the way, I know they hit us with the black screen white to be continued. I wasn't even mad about it because I want to stretch this out for as many episodes as possible. That's exactly how I felt. Kind of the side plot of this episode was Rob really considering purchasing a property. He goes on a couple of house tours and... He ends up deciding after consulting with his business manager that it really isn't the smartest thing to do right now to spend the money on a house. And he ends up asking Chloe and Lamar if he can move back in with them. They say yes. Initially, there's a little bit of tension because 
Rob is objectively pretty entitled when he's living in their house. But ultimately, he admits to Chloe that he's just feeling frustrated because, you know, he wanted to be a little bit more independent than he has been. And she ends up getting on the phone with his business manager. And the deal they come up with is that he's going to effectively pay her rent every month, but it's really money that's going to go into an account for him. So it remains untouched. It's, you know, providing his future self with some stability and it ends up being, you know, a, a, a win all around. But like, this is so not about this episode specific. It more so speaks to the larger theme, which is just Rob living his life in constant fear of you know, being judged by his sisters. Like he's actively doing everything in his power to avoid them finding out things that they could potentially then shame him for. This cycle that Rob is in that like just continues for seasons and seasons and seasons is just, it's so vicious for him. And it's like, you know, he wants to do better. He wants to do more, but like his main motivating factor is not this like sense of internal motivation. It's just like, he doesn't want to be called a loser by his sisters. And he does have an internal motivator, by the way, but like, it's just not enough to get him there to that point that like he wants to be at. And it's almost like this disconnect between like what he thinks he should have in terms of success and like what he's willing to put in to get it. And so he keeps ending up in this scenario where he just, he does, he's unable to connect the dots really. And instead of like, pouring it all into like figuring that out. He pours it all into like his reaction to being called a loser and like getting more upset with that instead of like trying to fix it. I don't know. I just like watching Rob in these seasons. I was so simultaneously frustrated by him and like heartbroken for him. I know. I was so saddened by it. I swear that was my overwhelming emotion more than frustration. Yeah, I get it. Like, I I guess also because we kind of know how the story goes, Whereas like if we were watching this for the first time, I think we would be overwhelmingly frustrated watching it because we can kind of see this pattern in his behavior. And it's not that that so much changes. It's not like the pattern changes, but we know where the pattern leads him to. And I think that's the feeling of like upset and sadness that we had for him. Well, I think also it's a lot harder to be frustrated with someone when you know how frustrated they are with themselves. Like it's a lot easier to feel frustrated by someone who is either in denial or unwilling to acknowledge it. Rob has not, I mean, kind of right now, but also in the upcoming seasons, he expresses that frustration with himself. And so, I don't know, I think the reaction to pile on is a little less empathetic than the one to just like be sad for this person that's clearly experiencing that, you know? Yeah, totally. And especially coming off of Dancing with the Stars, which for Rob was a really big game changer for him. It was like the first time where he felt like he was doing something that almost matched up to what his sisters was doing. And it was something that like he was putting a lot of hard work into and he was getting a lot of recognition from and he was taking a lot of pride in. And I feel like it was a really big loss for him once that was taken away. And also you see him now kind of following in Scott's footsteps where he's being paid for these appearances that he's doing. And so he's kind of in a situation where he's starting to figure things out. But where his like deep frustration within himself is coming from is the fact that like he also has this idea in his head of what his dad would want him to be and what his dad would want him to do. And he has such a hard time matching up to that. And so that's also this like deep sense of sadness for him because it's not just 
his sisters. It's not just this frustration of not being able to figure it out. It's like this pressure he's putting on himself to meet the expectations of somebody who like isn't there to tell them that they're proud of him. Yeah. I mean, that that is so fucking sad, to be honest with you. Yeah. <sighs> well, this was a ride. I can't believe we ended there. This is, by the way, the last Kardashian bonus show of 2023. Wow, we've really gone on quite the ride with these bonus shows, both in and out of season. I always say, if you're here for these, like if you make it to the end of an old recap Kardashian episode, you're you're something special. Like whatever Spotify says, you're in the top 0.02%, like that's you. And so we just appreciate you guys and love you guys and cannot play. I say it all the time. I know, I know, I know. I sound like a broken record, but I genuinely cannot believe we get to do this. Like we feel so lucky and so connected to you all and I hope you have the best holiday new year we'll tackle all of our emotions about the new year in in January but just thanks for doing this with us we love you guys 